All right. Well, welcome everyone to episode 13 of Blue Jays Happy Hour Live. Uh, total episodes, I don't know anymore. Notoriously bad at keeping track. This is a special off-day episode because not only am I, Nick Ashbourne, here, as is Andrew Stoughton, as always, we are joined by the Zoobs, who is a fixture in Blue Jays Twitter, in the biz in general, someone we have both worked closely with at one time or another, one of my all-time favorite co-workers, someone who really doesn't need this long an introduction. I might interrupt him later. Uh, <laughs> Zoobs, how's it going? Thinking of the honor of being one of your favorite coworkers, that undoubtedly lengthy list, Nick, of people that you've enjoyed working with, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, you're in that, you know, the, I'm going to shout out some names that people won't know here, but, you know, in that Michael Hode, Mac Liddell tier, which is you know, kind of the god tier among former wow. Nick Ashborn coworkers. <laughs> that feels great. Thank you for the for the introduction. That, that's very kind. It's true. I, I have worked closely. We've been in this under the same roof, the same building, the same company as both you guys. So a bit of a reunion. I'm surprised we haven't had you on already, to be honest. But uh, you know, you fall under that umbrella of someone who might be around on an off day, someone who might be willing to download an app, and someone who can do some <laughs> Blue Jays hypotheticals with us later, uh, which we'll get to at the at the end of the show once we've done. A little of the content that people expect, then we'll give them the content they don't expect. Uh, before we get to Gabriel Moreno, which I think is what people you know came into this room to hear about, just a brief catch-up with Zoobs. How are things going for the folks here who maybe aren't as caught up with you over at your podcast, Less Than Jays? There's your initial plug. Feel free to get Thank more you. plugs in as we go. Uh, what is life like? I know there's been a lot of changes in Zoobs' world in the last couple of years. Yeah, boy, oh boy. I mean, first and foremost, my my eight-week-old son is uh, causing a ruckus upstairs, so I passed him off uh, with less than 90 seconds to spare to get here in time with this podcast. <laughs> so that has been uh, very all-encompassing. Um, yeah, it's been a bounce around. It's been a bounce around a couple of years since uh, I was a week away from being a full-time Jays coverage for a, ma a major outlet. Um, been bouncing around, sort of finding the footing. And uh, right now, yeah, doing a podcast less than Jays with my pal uh, Jake Goldsby. We used to do a sports felt together before. Now it is less than Jays. It is uh, the people, you can call it the people's podcast. So I think you guys are also very much the people's podcast where it's, um, you know, we're not trying to be anything we're not. We're not insiders, but uh, we love the game and, uh, we're just trying to figure things out as we go along. So it's, it's a very personal podcast, I think more than, um, more than you get sort of, you know, analytics and, and stat cast. We're very much about uh, how we feel about things. And then you get a big chunk of sort of what is going on in our lives. So if the part of this about the baby or about me not having footing in my career is appealing to you, boy, do I have 20 minutes a week, every week for you in the <laughs> middle of a show you can enjoy <laughs> I think we can give you the lane as the people's podcast. You know, we're a little bit more impersonal here, perhaps, than personal. Uh, sure. You know, we've recently got the label, the live action podcast, based on the new format. I think that's pretty exciting. I think we can go with that. I like that. Yeah, our, our idea was like, we're going, it was going to be, I'll tell you, a, a bit of an inside baseball. The initial name of the show was going to be uh, War on Drugs with W-A-R as the all all caps off the top there. Um, and we realized the SEO on that is terrible. And also, uh, <laughs> yeah, the tagline was going to be no media, no masters. The idea that neither of us are actually in the media trying to make uh, a media <laughs> go of it. But then I was like, you know what? I should probably not advertise to not <laughs> hire me. <laughs> it's probably not the play is to say that I'm not uh, a voice to be trusted. Probably a mistake. So we less than Jay's a little easier to find. 
and uh, combines Jake Love for Ska with, uh, with some Blue Jay stuff. Fantastic. I, I've listened to the podcast. It is good stuff. As you said, there's uh, in, in the pre-show, there's a lot of preamble, but there's a lot of people who like preamble too. You know, I think we can get too caught up in the nuts and bolts sometimes and a little, uh, little rambling, a little journey, a little tangent. Never hurt anyone. That's true. All right. So let's get to Gabriel Moreno because I think it's a little bit lost in you know how well the Blue Jays are doing right now, how good Alejandro Kirk has been, and I'm sure we're going to touch on that. Um, you know, it's a bit of a star-studded team at the moment. It's starting to look like the 2021 group. In a lot of other years, bringing up you know a top ten prospect in baseball on various lists, and you can debate that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, this is kind of the highest-ranked guy the Blue Jays have had since uh, you know your favorite Zoobs, Travis Snyder. <laughs> and uh you know relative- I, feel, I feel there may have been another guy that was pretty high up oh yes of course wow. <laughs> yep anyway you're you know well we can skip over vladi vladi was you know he was a sure thing he wasn't even a prospect uh yeah. no but one of the you know you don't get guys like these coming up very often and uh it feels a little bit less essential right now because we don't know exactly what role he's going to play we know that kirk is going to eat up a lot of time what are your first thoughts when when you heard this news, and what are you kind of expecting to see? Um, maybe we'll start with Stoughton, just because it, you know it's been a, you know it's been a lot of zoobs off the top. People sure. might be getting zoobs. Oh yeah, 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 nobody, yeah, yeah. I can't, can't people just salivating to hear whatever I have to say? Um, yeah, I, I, it's it, you know Ross Atkins making me look like a dick because I was like, oh, I understand why they didn't call him up. Of course, of course, you know the defensive development and all that stuff that they always say, and then like a day later they call him up. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really fun. It's, uh, you know, he's a guy with athleticism behind the plate and throw runners out. That should be that, that, that I think will be kind of striking right away. And then, you know, uh, Nick, you said on our last podcast, kind of San Diego Espinal kind of vibes, which is, which is not, you know, off the top basically. Right. You know, that, and I thought that was a, an interesting comparison. You know, I haven't seen a ton of Moreno except on TV and, and, and even that has been limited. Uh, but you know, the, the big, uh, Bat to bat to ball skills is the thing, uh, you know. Gap power at this point, not really a, a power hitter though. He did really well in New Hampshire last year, but hasn't really hit for power yet this year. Um, but but you know, should just be uh, another nice piece to the lineup for now. As a guy who, as he matures and as he grows into some power, uh, and as he learns more about you know about the position at the big league level and the pitchers that he's going to work with is going to you know be that hopefully perennial all star type. So. Uh, you know, I, th- I don't know if it's all going to be. It's not. It's not like a Vladdy where it's all going to be revealed on day one, where you're you're watching him, you know, hit the hit Windows Restaurant, which of course doesn't exist anymore on the, uh, you know, in batting practice, and and you can really see it. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be like that, but uh, but it's very exciting because you know this is a guy that the Jays have been excited about for a very long time, and then the industry sort of caught up on him as well. So, um, yeah, it is not every day that you call up like a top five, top ten prospect. So. Uh, uh, giddy up. I'm ready for it. I'm going to be in Detroit this weekend for it. So uh, excited for that. Zoobs? Yeah, I, I will say for two reasons, and I'll try to be as brief as I can. I am extremely excited about this. And the first one is that if you were to draw up a scenario in which Gabriel Moreno gets called up this year, this is exactly what you would say. You would say, I want them to be absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. I want him to be able to to hit ninth and it not even matter, really, because there are eight guys ahead of him having great stretches of baseball. I want it to be 
a situation where he's not saving us. It's not like, oh man, they need to turn it around. They got to call up Moreno. Like right now, it's like, hey, catcher catcher position is open, and we happen to have a catcher who is who is the most exciting guy in our system. So, you know, when you draw it up, uh, and with, with the addition of he's playing really well, he's he's hitting the ball well enough to justify it on his own. Uh, that really excites me. And the other thing that really excites me is. You know, you mentioned Travis Snyder. You had to get the over-under in under 10 minutes, so that paid out uh, <laughs> on, on whichever betting platform sponsors this podcast in the future. Um, <laughs> but, you know, with Vladdy, with Bo, with uh, even so much as Pearson uh, in 2020, all the way back to Snyder, traditionally following this team, when they call up this level of prospect, it is to be a like it's the only thing to talk about with the team it's the only attraction in town and they're adding him to the strongest roster that we've had in this city in quite some time so that's what that's what really excites me is when you watch you know something i've been talking trying to hammer home this year and last year as well is changing the mindset here i think in toronto we have a mindset sometimes where like previous years it was like as long as they're competing at the end i'm happy and as long as um, you know, oh, there's a, a thing to get excited about. It's good to go. I'm more to sort of change the mindset into like, no, let's win a hundred. Let's get a, have a be a hundred win team. Let's look at what what do the Rays do every year to be good every year. And what the Rays do every year is things like you're already playing well, and then you call up Wander Franco. That's that's what it's like to be the Rays, to be the Dodgers. How many times did the Dodgers call up a great prospect when they already had a great team? This is that step, both in mindset and in team construction. So I actually wasn't surprised at all to see him get called up. I, I look at it and we say we're a month and a half, a month and two thirds of a month away from the trade deadline. You don't know how long Jansen's going to be out. Is this a weakness or a strength? Let's figure it out. Let's give him some shots. And it's not like he has to be great right away and save things. And if he's not ready, you've got three option years. He doesn't have to be ready until he's 25. So um, I'm excited to see what happens here. I think there's basically no pressure. You already have the, a great catcher in Kirk in front of him and you have, you know, the floor and stealing of Collins that he can maybe steal you one game and maybe cost you two games. Uh, I think it's a great situation. I'm, I'm super pumped to see because like Stoughton, I'm not going to sit here and say, I've been watching the Buffalo Bisons the last uh, two, three months. It just isn't. Yeah. I think you make a good point that he's able to be a complimentary piece. And that's often what happens with really good teams and young players is they don't call on those players to be the saviors. They don't call on those players to necessarily even start every day. Um, they can shelter Moreno from certain matchups. They can hit him low in the lineup. Kirk has shown a lot more defensively this year, so they don't feel the need to ride him. Like, there's a scenario where you've got Kirk and Collins, and then you bring in Moreno to be kind of a defensive savior as a rookie because you're scared of running those guys out. And Kirk doesn't give you that kind of vibe anymore. So you can be selective with how you use him. And I'm not particularly excited to see him hit right now. Like, I want to see what he's got, obviously. What he's doing at AAA, you know, he's got the isolated slugging under 100. Like, he's not hitting for any power. That's why I kind of brought up Sancho Espinal. You know, I could see him doing sort of earlier season Alejandro Kirk things at the plate, and not that that's necessarily going to be terrible. I really want to watch what he does behind the plate. Like, you know, I've seen scouting reports say that he's the most athletic catcher since Real Mudo. Uh, I want to see what that looks like. It gives you a reason to zero in on the game. I think, you know, with baseball, it's sometimes it's a little bit of a second screen sport. It's one where our attention can drift in and out. It's a long haul. Not every event in a baseball team game tends to matter towards the outcome. Um, but when you have something like Moreno defensively, it gives you a reason to really zero in on every pitch. And how does he frame the ball? How does he block the ball? How does he look moving laterally? What's that arm like? 
uh, I'm exciting, excited to see sort of the entertainment factor and the curiosity that he'll bring to that side of the game when he's behind the plate. And, you know, I expect to be impressed based on what I've heard and based on what I've seen. Um, but as you say, Zub, he does not have to be a star. He does not have to be a savior. And uh, we have a couple of questions sort of on that I want to address on this topic. So Toronto Jeff in the comments says, how do you weigh Kirk as full-time DH versus leaving the DH open to sit the stars? And then in the similar vein, Sam Williams says, do we see three catchers on the roster when Jana was back? I'll give that, those two back to you, Stoughton. Uh, the second one, yeah, I think I think probably. I mean, I don't think that the Jays are calling up Moreno to ever send him back down, right? I mean, the hope is probably is going to be that he's going to going to be here for good. Like that's kind of what they've been pushing towards for a long time. So um, I think that that they make that work, and I think that you know when the assuming that the the roster or the limits on pitchers. Uh, comes back into play. I know they keep pushing that back, uh, but they'll be limited to 13 pitchers. That should uh, uh, free up some space on the on the roster for them to carry three catchers. And uh, though it is unorthodox, one of them really, you know, and Kirk, I think, especially is going to end up being uh, more of the DH this year, which uh, I, I think they can make it work. I think that should be fine. And that, but also, like you say, Kirk, you know, the body type is is uh, is maybe not one that <laughs> the teams are going to be confident. Uh, is going to hold up and be all that durable. He had an injury last year, obviously, that was pretty uh, severe, kept him out a long time. Like, I don't know that he's a five-day-a-week catcher or anything like that at this point, But uh, but uh, which is perhaps why Moreno's here at all, because, you know, you don't want to see Zach Collins that often. Um, you know, Kirk's going to get his days off. I, we, we, we thought he was going to hit yesterday, and he, he did not, uh, you know, at, at DH. You know, they gave him a full day off, which is probably something they're going to do a lot, which is probably why you need a... a uh, a guy like Moreno. So I, I think we'll just, we'll see him shift more to DH at bats. And I think that's probably, probably fine, but also he's been really good defensively too. So he, he can absolutely hold his own behind the plate and they will, uh, they'll have a good problem on their hands when uh, Jansen comes back. Yeah. The, the three catcher thing. I mean, I can't answer in any sort of absolute cause you're sort of asking me to predict the future, right? You're like, if, if, Moreno's awful, then no, <laughs> you would love it. Ideally, is there three catchers? Yeah. Ideally, that means that, you know, both we know more about Jano's injury and he's able to be a, a, a guy who contributes and is back to the guy we've seen this year. And hopefully Kirk is still playing at, a, oh, he's the best catcher in baseball clip. And hopefully the, the top prospect is playing like a great player. But uh, I sort of don't feel as strongly that like he's guaranteed to be here forever. If, if he looks like he's not, you know, what they need. This right. This year is sort of... It's a different thing where, like, most of the years I'd be like, for sure, Reno's up and he's not going back down. But it's like, if he's not producing, this team's trying to win a World Series right now. Like, it's, uh, I'm, I, I have less patience this year for, like, okay, he can figure it out over the long term. I, I totally do give him that runway and you want to see enough. But, like, come playoff time, it needs to be contributors at every spot of the roster. That is what makes a contender a contender. Is there's there's no Ryan Barucki is a great friend to a lot of these guys. I mean, like having him around roster spots left. That is that is done in my mind. So um, he's going to have to earn it if it's going to be a three catcher thing. I certainly hope he does. And as for the Kirk full time DH thing, I mean, you have a luxury with a guy who can hit like that playing catcher. That is a thing that not many teams have. Um, so I am one that will try to, to push that line. I would redline that because I'm aggressive in that way mentally in like, I am 100% focused on 2022 uh, at this moment. And this team has done a great job of, of building out, um, some depth and building out some timeline. But I look at this team and say, it's, it's, it's now time. So 
I'd be playing Kirk as catcher as often as I possibly could. He's done the work to get better defensively. He looks good back there. He's hitting a ton. Uh, I love the idea of more hitters in the lineup with the way that things are rolling at this moment. But I also think a little bit the stars rotating through DH thing can be a little uh, overdone because you're also I realize that in saying that, you know, you got to have Springer go through there. And then when you have Springer go through there, you have somebody pretty bad at the moment playing center field. So that's sort of how I sum that up. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing Kirk as sort of quote-unquote a full-time DH. He could get a fairly large share of his at-bats there. The Blue Jays do, you know, they do really like rolling their guys through there and giving him, them the sort of half rest. I understand that Springer probably needs it more than, you know, some of their young core guys. Like how much does a Gurriel need that day? How much does a Vladdy need that day? I don't know. It's hard to say. Part of the three-catcher thing is that they don't have good bench players on this team. Uh, I know that Biggio has looked a little bit better in, since he's come back, but it's not like keeping three catchers is sort of preventing you from having particularly valuable bench players who, uh, you know, fit the lineup better from a positional standpoint. You know, the fact that they have Tapia and Zimmer kind of shows you that there, yeah, there's room for them to be flexible <laughs> to look for the best players yeah. as opposed to look for the players that fit all the positions. And Biggio's versatility and the versatility of some of the other guys on this team gives them a little bit more latitude to do that. Like one of the reasons why you prioritize positional versatility as an organization, which they have talked about ad nauseum for a long time is so that when a situation that comes around that isn't necessarily positionally ideal, you can make it work because a lot of the pieces shift around. And that's, you know, if they had found a big left-handed first base bat, which is something that they could conceivably still get at the deadline, although it would be a little bit trickier now, maybe with the way the catchers are hitting. Uh, in theory, you can make that work when the other pieces can shift around. Um, we have a, a, a caller here. We have Joe. So let's uh, let's go to the caller. Love this. All right. Let's do that. Joe, thank you very much, man. Hey, I just wanted to uh, take a look kind of at the state of the American League right now and it's kind of interesting. It's basically just like the Yankees beating up on everyone and the rest of the American league is kind of like a trash fire in a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you have the angels losing 14 in a row. You have Boston just now getting over 500. You have the white Sox being injured and under 500. And like overall, you only have six teams in the American league over 500. So I just kind of wanted to hear what you guys had to say about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're bang on, Joe. Uh, for me personally, sorry to jump in, fellas, but for me personally, I look at this as like the reason my mind sh- mindset is so focused on this year is I like to me playoff spot is a given with with how last year went and with the extra spot this year. I agree with Joe that it's just like there's the teams that are going to win the other divisions, and then basically they got to be better than the Red Sox to make the playoffs. And I I, I have faith in in that happening down the stretch. So I, I look at it as like the door is wide open here, which is why I'm so hardcore into like fill every roster spot into contender mode. Yeah, I understand how you can take a look at this American League picture and say, oh, I see this as an opportunity. Like this is a weaker, you know, the weaker of the two leagues right now, for sure. Like you said, you've got, you know, the Astros aren't going anywhere. The Yankees aren't going anywhere. Not to say they couldn't be caught necessarily. Um, You know, someone's going to come out of the AL Central. That person isn't going to be a fantastic team. I wouldn't necessarily write off the White Sox. I think they've had a bit of a rough go, but there's still talent on that roster. And I'm not a huge believer in the Twins. 
you know, the Rays are also, so you, you kind of have five good teams, including the Blue Jays for six spots. You feel good about where you're at um, with the American League. And that also plays into the schedule, right? You know, the vast majority of the teams that they're going to play outside of those AL East rivals, and they've already seen the Astros a couple of times, are going to be teams that they feel confident that they can beat. Now, you know, the Twins came in and they won a series. It's obviously never guarantee that you're going to win series against teams even if you feel like you're more talented than them. But as Zubes points out, you know, calling the playoffs a given really isn't a stretch at this point. Yeah, I would agree. I would also tend to agree. Yeah, absolutely. You got anything more for us, Joe? Uh, no, I, let's just hope <laughs> that... Uh, let's hope the Yankees don't uh, set the record for the most wins in history. That yeah. that wouldn't be very good. I don't know. Oh, well, they they don't, yeah, they got they Josh Donaldson's locker room cancer. Don't, don't oh worry yeah, about it. <laughs> it, it takes a while for the Donaldson Thanks, effect to really happen. Like it, it kind of Cheers, culminates Joe. over the course of a year. That locker room cancer status. Absolutely so right. It Absolutely will slowly right. erode uh, the Yankees from the inside. Uh, Toronto Jeff comments, Blair said yesterday, the Yankees can't be caught. Why is he such a D bag? I'm not going to address the second part of that question, <laughs> but I do think it's important for accuracy to read the questions in their entirety. That's fair. Uh, the first part of their question, they can't be caught. I don't think that's true. Obviously, if you ask me today, are the Blue Jays seven wins better than the Yankees over a two thirds of a season span? That's tough. You know, that's a lot, but injuries happen poor performance slumps. You know, we've seen the Yankees have Judge and Stanton go down for extended periods. We know that those big bodies can be susceptible to certain types of injuries. Um, you know, is Nestor Cortez this guy? I, you know, no one is, so I'd be inclined to say no. I, are they are they likely to be caught? No. I think that as a Blue Jays fan, your mindset has to be that you're shooting for that top wild card spot, but throwing it out as a possibility altogether seems foolish. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that schedule, that schedule has been very easy. I know and it's easy to overstate that, but also they've played nobody. This is ridiculous. They're, they're going to, they're going to come back to earth. Unfortunately, they're so far away from earth that they, they may still be uh, in outer space by the yeah. time they come back to, uh, to, to continue the weird, uh, the weird metaphor. Um, I'll just say, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough, but I mean, they have played nobodies, but also, you know, hundred win teams, beat bad teams that's what that's what that's the recipe for it like right you know what i mean it sort of seems unfair as a jay's team that has gone through such a tough being of the schedule but like that's what being in a 100 win team is, is is bad teams come to town and you you crush them and move on so um hopefully the jays can do some of the same it, it's not a coincidence that the jays schedule opened up and suddenly it was like oh they can all hit again it's like yeah that's when you're a good team eating these bad teams alive in big stretches is sort of the key to being the team we want them to be yeah, I mean, the Blue Jays, one kind of mini microcosm of all of this, saw some of the the hardest velocity in the league early in the season, and that played a big role in their early season woes. And now they're seeing a lot more pitchers that are throwing, you know, 92 to 94, and suddenly they're hitting a lot of fastballs. I'm not saying the team can't hit velocity in general, but it's just an example of what, you know, lower level competition is going to do for you. Um, today I wanted to talk about a couple things that are, you know, a little bit red meaty, a little bit, you know, radio show ish, but you know, this is where we are in the season. The all-star ballots recently came out and it feels like the Alejandro Kirk all-star train just started rolling out of the station, maybe even a, a few days too late. Um, but who do you guys see as, uh, the Blue Jays potential all-stars this season or deserving all-stars? Cause 
we can always play the card of the Blue Jays being in Canada and not being respected, yada, yada, yada. These guys won't actually get it, even if they deserve it. Although that's been proven false in the case of, you know, Bautista leading the league in all-star votes and things like that. But uh, what well, it, do you see with the Blue Jays and all-star picture still? It's a huge fan base, right? I mean, that's that that's the dirty secret of, uh, of you know, the Rogers, uh, the Sportsnet and uh, and Blue Jays relationship, right? Like the, the numbers on TV are crazy compared to other teams. Like they're, the fan base is huge and we see that every year in the all-star voting. So like I, I you know, Vlad obviously – uh, has not really produced to his own lofty standards, even though he's still been been quite good. A uh, little frustrating lately, uh, but I, like I, I, he'll get enough votes to get in there. I suspect. Yes. Um, you know, beyond that, I I, I can see the Kirk hype train uh, producing a, a, an all star appearance for him as well. And then you got you know, you know, on the pitching side, it's a little easier. You got Gosman. I think will definitely be. Uh, be there i mean he would have to falter pretty badly for that to, to change and manoa could just as easily be there um though as nick might say uh the left-handed batter split is uh is kind of interesting and something to keep watching um and and jordan romano i think too but uh would, would we think anybody else beyond those guys i'm not sure so i approach the all-star game differently than i think a lot of people do um, I'm of the opinion that it's all stars. You, it, it, I don't, I don't like the like. You had a good half season, you get to go. Yeah. For me, that's what the All MLB team is. Like, I'm of the opinion, like, unless Vlad has been terrible, he should go. That's sort of like he's yeah. the star. He's the people watch the All Star game, they want to see Vlad. Uh, so like, he has to be bad enough to not make it in my eyes. There are it obviously is room for these. Uh, you know, I think there's room for Manoa for sure this year. He's been unbelievable and really carried them. Uh, it, as good as Gosman has been, I think every time Manoa has been out there, it's been like, oh, we're going to win today. Thank God. Uh, even when he gets into trouble, you so, sort of don't doubt it. So, yeah, maybe maybe the Kirk hype train gets there. But I, I sort of – the difference between, like, what I think is deserved and what I think will happen is sort of like – you can make cases. You, oh, Santiago Espinal. You go, oh, Alejandro Kirk. Uh, Danny Jansen. Kirk and Jansen should both go. And Romano should <laughs> – I'm totally with that and totally get it. Um, but if, asking realistically, I think you're looking at Vlad, Manoa, and, and probably Romano. And then um, if there's like a – if they do, do like a 26th roster spot is online fan voting, then I think that's how you get Kirk in because he's an easy guy to sell to other fan bases as well. Though, I mean, though, who is uh, – the, you know, there's no Yadi Molina in the American League right now. Is true. There, I mean, does, does, Jason, does Jason Veritek still play? Does Jorge Posada still play? I does can't, Sal Perez can't. have that clout in L.A.? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe he hasn't been but, great this season, to be honest. No, Grandal's sure. bad. Yeah, it, that's another thing with you know Vladdy potentially starting is that you know first basemen in the National League this year have been fantastic, uh, but there haven't really been that many in the American League. Especially the big names have been really good, so I could see him getting a start, especially if he has a strong couple weeks here. Zoobs, I think you make a good point about like what is the All Star Game for? So yeah. Santiago Espinal, like I could make you a case. But I think, yeah, I don't think anyone wants to see, you know, obviously people in this call, people who are listening to this podcast, love to watch Santiago Espinal. But I don't think the average fan really wants to. And oh, his defense is really, really good. He's not exactly the bright light, spectacular player that is sort of must-see TV. Kirk is the one I would push back on just because the breakout has been so strong. And he, you know, it's pretty hard to defend any other position than he's been mm-hmm. the best offensive catcher in the AL by like a pretty significant margin that might change uh, over the next few weeks. But he's the guy because sometimes an all-star game can be a bit about rewarding a breakout or it can be a bit about, you know, rewarding that old guy who suddenly has a good season. There's a lot of things that it can be about. I know that 
the fans don't necessarily want to see you know Kyle Gibson in there. So there are some cases where like the guy having a good season doesn't mean that much. But Kirk, because it has been, it's a tough position to hit at, and he's hit at such a high level, and the defense has improved significantly as well. That's the one where even if he doesn't have the name value, even if he isn't like the quote unquote star you'd like to see him in there. Maybe not picked by the fans. Maybe, you know, we have a comment in here from lifelong Zoobs fans. He, you know, <laughs> great guest to bring in. He's bringing in his own fans. Uh, Petrio figured Kirk wasn't famous enough to win, famous enough to win the fan vote, but I'm thinking uh, Canada will go hard here and find a way to make him the all-star game starter. I wouldn't rule it out. Just, you know, Stoughton was just, you know, <laughs> listing or not listing the catchers in the American League, and there aren't that many guys that I feel – are kind of S- super easy guy to super easy guy to sell as well to other man bases. Yeah. Oh, be like, you should, super easy. Uh, yeah. can I, if I, before we move on from the, from the all-star stuff, I must, I must say to agree with zooms about, you know, it should be the stars and not the, like, like uh, my, in, my enduring memory of the 91, 1991 all-star game, which I was at as a 10 year old or whatever it was, uh, I guess as a 10 year old, um, is that, you know, Cal Ripken and Ryan Sandberg and, and, Ken Griffey Jr. and all, you know, go down the list. Like all the, all of the stars of the era were there. And it's like, it, it's, you know, it, it would have been memorable, I suppose, either way. But like you go, like, and I, as I do basically anytime the All Star game rolls around, and I look at the rosters and it's like there's 20 Hall of Famers that were in that game. And, and like, and Joe DiMaggio and Ted Williams in the ballpark and Hank Aaron was in the ballpark that day. And it's like, it's, it's just, it's just a crazy little, uh, moment of of just all of this baseball history coming together, and that's what it's that's and that's what you want as a ten year old, and that's what you want as a forty year old remembering that too. You know, you don't want, you know, it wouldn't have been the same if like Sid Bream had a good half year or something like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Steve Delabar is what is what radicalized me in this. By the way. <laughs> right, yeah. I can't remember what it was. It was a fan vote. And it was like Steve Delabar against uh, somebody, anybody else in the world, and I was like, you can't in good conscience be like Steve Delabar has had. 18 good appearances. <laughs> Get him. I was like, you, I'm going you crazy have to here. love that for Delabar, right? Like for the rest <laughs> of his life, he gets to say he's an MLB all-star, <laughs> which I think true. improves the duration of the rest of his life by a significant margin. Like he gets to eat out on that in a very cool way. Something that's to a, put on a baseball. That's a small point, but yeah, it's, a, it's either that or Lisa needs braces. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't even finish that year well. I don't, I feel like anyway, and that's that's an, that's more than enough already. Steve Delbar research on my end. <laughs> I think I think it's safe to say that's the last Steve Delbar mention that we're going to hear uh, in the rest of the podcast. Maybe um, maybe though it's false, but that's Delbar free zone. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to touch on is that in terms of sort of the time of the year that we're dealing with right now is the you know the trade deadline is not imminent by any means, but we're starting to think about. Um, you know, what the team needs are, where they're going to be in a couple months, what the market looks like, who are the sellers. It's difficult now with the expanded playoff field. They saw this in the NBA when they added the play-in, like it made the trade market a lot more complicated because there were teams confused about what they were and what they should be doing. However, it seems pretty safe to say the Blue Jays will be seller, will be buyers. Wow, it, it doesn't seem safe to say they'll be sellers. Uh, it seems safe to say they'll be buyers and there's some players that we feel pretty confident are going to be available. So I'm going to run down some of the guys. I want you to give me a, in the podcast notes, I said a thirst meter. I don't know why I did that, but I'm going to stick with it. Um, and the scale is a teacup to a big gulp. 
in oh terms boy. of the Blue Jays, the level of thirst the Blue Jays should have for these players. I'm going to start with one we've heard a lot about in recent days, and that's Andrew Benintendi. Yeah, I'll, I'll take, I'll, a big drink of Andrew Benintendi brew here. One of those guys that I hated because of how much I loved him when they played with the Red Sox. If, that, if you understand what I'm saying, where I was like, I hate that Benintendi. Look at his beautiful eyes and perfect hair. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, and to me, it's like you don't have to overthink it. You can go get Benintendi, and that doesn't that doesn't end the day for you. You just like, yeah, we need we need this. We need to, we need to get the guy that we keep trying to get in. Like we keep hoping that. Zimmer will turn, turn into this, and we keep hoping that Tapia can break out into a version of this. We hope that Dexter Fowler can be a version of this. We hope that Palacio could be a version of this. Like, just go get the actually good left-handed bat who can field. Like, just just get it. I don't think it's too complicated for me. Yeah, uh, yeah, taking a big old gulp of, <laughs> of Ben and Tandy Brew as well. Uh, no, it's he's you know he's not perfect. It does, but you don't need a, a left-handed hit. Like, you need a left-handed hitter, I think, obviously. But it, you know, Corey Dickerson worked perfectly well last year. You could use a guy. Who doesn't have necessarily fit right, you know, into your into the middle of your lineup? He could hit a little farther down, uh, but just somebody to to give teams another look because they just you know they have nothing from the left side. And Tapia, you know, can can have his moments. Uh, can <laughs> is just such a bad defender. Uh, really not 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 a huge fan there, though he can be fun. Zimmer, I still don't you know I understand it, but I don't understand it. I guess we were talking earlier about the depth, and that's you know why he's here is because there's just no one better to push him off the roster. But he feels like a Malik Smith kind of guy, like a guy he, or a uh, Jared Dyson who we, the Jays got last year, uh, you know, in August or whatever. Or, or you know, uh, there there are going to be guys like that available. Uh, I don't know that you need to carry a Bradley Zimmer the whole time. So there there are spots on the roster that you could certainly flip a guy like Andrew Benintendi into. And then also if they want to bring a couple of those relievers as, uh, along as well, uh, giddy up. I was listening to you guys. I, I'll start by saying that. But a lot okay. of my that, 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 energy... Now you've got me asking questions. About, okay, about well, I'm going to explain. Yeah. A lot of okay. my mental energy was going into what different containers for liquids people use to drink from <laughs> sure. to find yeah. the right one. I was trying to um, think of one, too. Is a Stein smaller than a Big Gulp? I think it would be, right? A leader. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so I'm going to go for a Stein of uh, Andrew Benintendi. Like you guys said, he's sort of an example of all the stuff they've been looking for that they need. He's not the same player as Ben Revere was to them in 2015, but it is sort of that vibe where it's like, this guy's a lefty. He's not reliant on power. He gets on base. Um, You know, he does a lot of the stuff, you know, Kevin Biggio in theory would do a little bit more hitting and less patience. Um, But yeah, I think he's a really good fit and he'll cost you something because he's having a good season. Uh, if the Blue Jays are lucky, he'll tail off in the next few weeks and they can get him a little bit cheaper. But he won't cost you a ton, and I think it'll be worth it. The next name is more of a beginning-of-the-season name, and I'm wondering if it still hits you guys at all, and that's Josh Bell, who is having a solid season for the Nationals and does have that left-handed thump that they've been missing since Rowdy Telez was good for a couple weeks. I'm not as I'm not as, I'm not as like... Pertinent to me, I'm sort of you know obviously get both you can get everybody. I'm sort of in the team of get everybody, but it's this is like a what was the teacup was the first one. This is like a like the plastic glass that you would you would have on the porch, um, so you make sure you're not spilling all over your furniture. I'll I'll have one, but I'm not I'm not absolutely dying for it. I I think Kirk's bat makes this a little less important. Um, but, but if you want to go and get and address every issue, that's absolutely great for me too. But I think Kirk and, you know, a functioning Moreno Jansen, uh, battery and the guys you were able to cycle through DH, 
this one's not crazy important to me. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm at like a shot glass size. Uh, I'm not sure why that's on my mind, but uh, but th- that's where I'm at with Bell as well. I, I think you know the the DH thing is the, is the thing, right? Like, because if if you're gonna have three catchers, which we seem to think they're they're probably gonna do, which would be ideal, which would be the 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 plan unless Moreno can't hack it or needs to go back down for whatever reason, uh, then you're going to have to have Kirk DHing a lot and you're going to have to have Springer going in through the, the DH spot. You're going to have Carrero go through there as well. You know, that's how they use that. And then, you know, to have a Josh Bell there, uh, and it seems odd to turn up your nose at a guy who is uh, a very good hitter from the left side that is a need, but, uh, but probably wouldn't be a priority for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, I really liked Zoobs' plastic cup. It felt very domestic <laughs> and genuine to him at this stage of his life. Um, again, early in the season, you would have had a very easy time selling me on Josh Bell. Right now, it feels like there's another... like To get anyone in the trade market, you have to be willing to pay the most for them. So I have a hard time believing the Blue Jays are the team that feels like they need this player more than other teams do, even though they do lack left-handed power. Um, you know, what's Kirk Kirk doing and Jansen potentially coming back and Moreno. Uh, it's a complicated picture to add a guy who doesn't really play a position into. Uh, this one is, is, probably, is the most ambitious name on the list by a decent margin. So I could understand an enthusiastic reaction, but also we have to acknowledge that the price for this is pretty significant. And that's Frankie Montas, if you want to say that the Ryu injury causes you to rethink your rotation strength. So you can go first. Sure. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take a, I'll take like a swing pool of uh, Frankie Montez. Uh, I mean, I, I'm really like, going outside the, what the range <laughs> of the scale was. But that's so I'm, 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 but a simple man. Uh, I don't know too many shapes or, or cups or whatnot, whatnot. Uh, no, I, I, you know, the depth is a bit scary at, at the moment, right? I mean, and, and we've talked about that. You know, Ross Stripling has done very well. Uh, there's a, a part, partly this has to do with you say Kikuchi, who we could talk about, who uh, uh, has has sort of regressed back the, as the league is adjusted to him. So there's maybe two spots in the rotation that that could be filled by Ross Stripling and somebody else. Like I don't think Kikuchi's going to lose his job uh, by any stretch. I think that that's sort of what he's here to do, but. Uh, but yeah, you had another quality starter, and that's certainly what Montes would be would, would be uh, would be a very very good thing. I know the price would be very high, uh, but also that's that's where the Jays are. That's what Zub was saying earlier. You know, this is a win now team. They've got some really interesting arms coming up that would be of interest to the A's. I know that the that's a trade partner that that has worked out very well for the Jays many times, and that, that's uh, I don't know if they just like view players differently that uh, that they line up on trades. Uh, as often as they do, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think that would be very smart. And I think that that's the kind of guy, like if you're looking to get a pitcher, if you're looking to get a starter, it needs to be somebody who is clearly above, uh, you know, a Thomas Hatch or a, or a Ross Stripling or whoever else is going to come up from the, from the minors. If you need some depth, uh, and just to add another layer of depth would be, would be ideal. So yeah, make, make that happen. I'm all for that. Yeah, never been a weakness to have too much pitching, especially yeah. quality starters. So, um, I'm again, listen, I'm 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 in greedy mode. I'm in uh, <laughs> l- let's get everything. So it's it's hard for me to say no to almost any transaction here. Um, it's it's a good luxury because it also isn't like it's a need and it's an addition that could make to push them to a nice level, but it's also not like crazy like urgent to address. So I think it's a great spot, which is which is when you make those moves and as you and go from 
you know, good to great, as opposed to like absolutely grasping from mediocre to good. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in the sense that he's like you said, you can never have too much starting pitching. He's a really good starting pitcher. Uh, I'm a little bit skeptical that they would see it the same way in terms of shopping at the top of the market. The you know, this is a player that has uh, multiple years of control left. That's going to cost a ton. We saw that with Barrios already. And then you're thinking about an extension as well. I'm not saying that he's not worth all those things because he's a really good pitcher. Um, but a little bit of a spotty health history and someone I'm not sure I see them going. going. You have to go pretty deep to, to make a trade like that happen. I'm not sure if I see it. But in terms of my own personal uh, would like to see it from an entertainment standpoint, I'll just say like a, just a bog standard glass of water type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, just keep it within the range with relievers. I don't like to get too specific until we hear specific rumors because, um, there's just so many out there. There are so many, especially these days, there's so many guys who throw hard, so many guys who could make a difference for kind of a middle of the road bullpen, maybe even worse than that at times. So I guess what I'm selling you right now is the concept of a lefty reliever and also the concept of a high leverage righty reliever. Um, what makes you more excited or what you think is more plausible? Or I mean, I mean, the answer can easily be both, but I think this is one where d- different from the Montes thing. I think easy to see them like quasi setting the market or jumping the market on these things, just easy things to acquire. Um, as you said, you get them everywhere. If you look at, uh, the two years, 2020 and 2021, when they were a contending team, both of the trade deadlines, they went out and got frontline starters and they went out and bolstered the bullpen when they needed to. So uh, that's sort of, it's too quick, uh, back to back double espresso of, of yes here. I mean, no question. It, should, it almost, should, it's almost no question that both of these are, are trades that will and need to be made in my mind. Does you can always get, always get better. Coffee reference? That is two, uh, yeah, that, that's two coffees right there. Wow. You're really playing <laughs> to lifelong Zoom's fan out there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'd prioritize a right handed one probably because I, you know, I think Tim Mesa is going to be your, your main lefty though, obviously. Uh, don't need to see a whole lot more of Andrew Vasquez at this point. Um, and Baraki is gone, but there, you know, there are, there are, there are some options there. I think that, yeah, like the, the swing and miss thing is going, is going to be interesting. I mean, last year they were able to jump the market by going after, uh, Adam Simber, who obviously has been amazing, but was kind of not necessarily the, of the mold of, of, a, a reliever that, uh, that a lot of teams are going to have the same kind of level of interest in. Uh, and it was just sort of there to stem the tide and has, has been, has been fantastic since uh, Trevor Richards, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't hate having Rowdy Tellez back, but uh, uh, at this stage, but yeah, I think the, you know, the lefty, sure. Yes. I will. I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a 355 milliliter can of pop there. Uh, but we're, we're, we're a big gulp territory for the right-handed reliever, especially with swing and miss. And I think that, you know, again, this is, this is win now. And this is the, that's the kind of thing they need to be doing. They got, they got extra draft picks coming up. They got some, some progress in the system. There are, uh, uh, there are, are, are pieces, uh, though I dislike dehumanizing prospect human beings, uh, by calling them stuff like that. But there are, there are players that they could trade that would be of very much interest to, uh, to a lot of teams. Uh, and I think they could get themselves, uh, make themselves a lot better by adding uh, a couple of right-hand relievers with some swing and miss. Because it ain't going to be Merriweather and Pearson, I don't think. Well, it That's a nice pipe Merriweather. We can debate Pearson. The left-handed thing, I think that need is maybe a bit underrated because Mesa has been so reliable that you use him sort of outside the structure of 
big lefty mm-hmm. moment. So it would be nice to have someone you could go to earlier in the game uh, or just on days when Mesa's is not available to pitch. So that is probably of more interest to me than maybe it is to you guys. On the righty side, I think you need who Jimmy Garcia was supposed to be. You need the guy with a ton of gas who misses bats instead of, you know, and he's been effective, but he's a little bit scary too right now with kind of relying on the soft contact and a little bit more on command, which has never really yeah. been his strength. Uh, he's like he's like a, he's like that second VJ Ryan year after the Tommy John, not the first. Yeah, it's exactly it's working, but for how long? <laughs> um, that's why I think those are both fair. We've we've been going for about forty, you know, forty five minutes here of analysis. You can debate the quality of the analysis. I think we've given the people what they want on that end, and it's time to swing uh, firmly into a nonsense finish. We were promised. Yeah. I'm very happy to report that we already have a nonsense question from the comments. So before we go with what I planned <laughs> in that regard, uh, I'm going to give it to Evan, who says, nonsense question, which of the three catchers will release the best new trendy drink post-retirement? Uh, my first instinct, I'm going to just monopolize it off the top. Uh, my first instinct is to say Alejandro Kirk. I don't think that he's personally inclined that way although i have seen some branded stuff on his twitter before but Mm. he's so obviously marketable from his success to his frame there's a lot of different ways you can go with it uh he can draw on his mexican heritage as well if you want it to be tequila based or based on certain beers uh that come from mexico there's a lot to work with there and i think that if someone on the business side can just get him on board and give him that little nudge uh, it wouldn't be hard to get that train rolling. Yeah, the canned tequila soda here, no question. It's that's an easy that's easy Alejandro Kirk canned tequila soda. Write it down. That sounds <laughs> wretched <laughs> to actually drink, but <laughs> yeah, I mean we we don't know Moreno's personality very much yet, but it, it, it has to be Kirk, right? It, it, absolutely, uh, you could you can see the slimy businessmen just lining up to 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 goad him into making terrible decisions and just endorsing, you know, Krusty the Clown products, right? Like, like, like who wouldn't want an Alejandro Kirk alarm clock, even if it melts and, and, and <laughs> catches on fire and burns your house down? Hey, you know what? Taking that money is never the worst decision. Sometimes it can be a bad decision. Uh, well, I'm, I could just I could see him in like Frank D'Angelo level commercials. Oh, you know? man. Okay. That, ben that, ben Johnson doing level. the cheetah ad or whatever. Yeah, that's rough. So for our for our nonsense finale, maybe some of the people here listening will recall, but probably not because this is relatively obscure. But me and Zoobs, when we worked at Yahoo together, we did a couple of videos that were some of my favorite things I've ever done professionally. I think that's largely because what I do normally is very buttoned up and analytical, and it's fun to show people that I'm actually an insane person. Um, so we did blue, blue Jays hypotheticals wherein I would describe a scenario and you, the, uh, person answering in this case, Zoobs and Stoughton would tell me which blue Jay I'd say currently on the roster, um, is the person you think it would be the best to do that thing with or give that thing to, or however the scenario plays out. It should be relatively clear. Um, I want to start off with something Zoob specific, because I've got to give a uh, lifelong Zoobs fan what he's looking for. <laughs> Zoobs, who on the t- current Blue Jays roster would you most like to share a Reuben sandwich with at an old school <laughs> diner? Oh, boy. 
So I think that, I mean, the, the instinct, right, on these things is to go with, like, the food guys on the team, to go yeah. with Alec Manoa, right? But I'm more and more, I'm answering these questions realizing that I'm 36, and, like, taking a 23-year-old out to lunch is not always the most uh, vibe that I'm looking for. Yeah, age, um, age gap, age gap. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be fun for them either. I can't imagine no, Manoa no. being thrilled. Thirty-six <laughs> year old dad from the region wants to take you out for a sandwich. <laughs> Racing to the car. <laughs> um, um, which is why it, it might be Hyunjin Ryu, a guy who a guy who enjoys uh, a fine sandwich, and a guy who, with the language barrier between us, we would both probably just eat in silence, enjoy our meals, <laughs> give it a knowing nod, and and go home. A nice, a nice getaway for both of us. Stone? Yeah, I honestly, my brain immediately said Ryu as well, and uh, I think that's well reasoned from the Zoobs. And you know what? You know, bring him for a little Ruben, maybe, uh, you know, maybe you know, uh, or Ruben adjacent things. You know, you want to go to Schwartz's in Montreal, Ryu? Let's mm-hmm. let's get it, get it up, and then you then you show me some Korean barbecue, and uh, and and we'll both uh, just engorge ourselves in silence. That would be delightful. Have some beers. Perfect day. No that age gap. That line of reasoning 100% <laughs> occurred to me. Uh, the the guy I'm going to go with is Danny Jansen, and this is a throwback to my previous podcast. I remember having him on and having a very detailed conversation with him about how Domino's Pizza in Canada is very <laughs> different than in the United mm. States and the ways in which that was disappointing. And it made me believe that he he takes his food seriously, <laughs> and uh, that's the kind of energy I'd like him to bring to that event. Um, number two is a little bit different. Uh, who would you most want to, I, I guess we'll just keep going the Zoob's stone order and hopefully Zoob's doesn't steal too many of stones. Yeah. Uh, people want to hear the Zoob's here. They can hear me anytime. <laughs> who would you most want to commit an old timey train heist with? So, <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking Red Dead Redemption 2 for anyone sure. who's played that type of game. Um, but I think you guys all have a sense. You've maybe seen Westerns or whatever. You know what it is. You're riding horses. Uh, you're politely asking you know, people for their purses and whatnot and being fairly gentlemanly about the whole ordeal. Okay. So this is equal parts, you know, um, s- speed, guile um dedication um and sort of uh aggressiveness it's all of those ingredients together so i think it's beau bichette i think he has the right mix of like he would be extremely serious about it and be very locked in and make sure that uh that they were ready to go but also you know you have to be aggressive and you have to take wild swings and you have to you have to really be cunning and 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 uh it, 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 it's, a, it's a crazy situation where a lot of wild things are happening. So I think I trust his head. See, I, for very similar reasons, I'm going to say uh, Lord Escurial Jr. I think that he, uh, you know, there, there would be a language barrier between us, but that would just make the movie even funnier. Uh, you know, we've all <laughs> we've all seen the the, the Jackie Chan and uh, Chris Tucker films. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, I think Guriel would, you know, uh, again, there's the aggressiveness. I, I, I think, I think he could fool a guy. I think if could, he could fool the, the mm. sheriff into thinking that he's, he, he's, uh, he's, he's a righteous, honest guy while, uh, while working to, to, to undermine him and, and, and help us in the heist. I think he would be a, a perfect fit for the team. All right, I'm going to go with Santiago Espinal. Uh, the first thing I thought of was just who's got the best hands on the team. Uh, you know, we're snatching purses. We don't want to drop anything. You know, he's he's a lot stronger now. So if we're doing bars of gold or anything that's heavy, uh, sure. he should be a good bet for that. 
I, I am a little bit concerned about the language barrier because, uh, you know, I'm taking this high seriously. I want it to work. I'm less uh, into the comedic value, but uh, <laughs> I don't, I think we can make it happen. So that's why I've got Espinal. Uh, this, we had a caller in there briefly, and I was very curious what a caller wanted to say about this issue, but they ultimately dropped out. They, they do call on, they call by accident occasionally. Okay. So maybe that's well, all that you, was. You would be absolutely invited to give your thoughts on a nice train heist. Um, <laughs> I can't. I just want to see the switchboard light up after you brought people to call in for that. I'd like to hear it, honestly, though. Number three, who would you be most interested in jousting at medieval times? At medieval times, so we're on. You we're on are, horses. You, yeah, you are jousting against them. Oh my god! <sighs> oh man. <laughs> okay, so there was. So it's got to be someone who's bad on a horse. Large target is what are my first. The first criteria that sort of come up to me. Yeah, listen, I'm going to go with Merriweather, and I would just hope to dodge enough attacks that his arm gets hurt. <laughs> well, he won't know where his fucking sword is going. Yeah, so I block. I block him twice. I feel like that's the end for the UCL, and then attack on that side. I like that rationale. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. That is a pretty good one. I'm just like, who's like, who's uh, who's huge? Who is... Zimmer's a good pick too. Six foot four, can't hit a damn thing. Yeah, but he, but, but if you've seen his batting stance, if you've seen his batting stance from the first baseline. It's like, oh, man, it looks like he might know how to how to ride a horse. He's got the yeah. he's got wide legs, much faster uh, than me too. That also an issue. Yeah, um, man, like Alec Mano is a big dude. But I fear that his competitiveness would, would. Yeah, I don't think I would have to stand a chance against Manoa. Uh, you know, Ryu also a big dude has only one arm. Maybe, the, maybe again, it's got to be Ryu. Yeah, tough. That's that's cold of you, but it's, 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 that's a life and death situation. Yeah, you, you ate, ate a sandwich with him, and then you're going to war right after. That's brutal. Uh, I'm. I thought about Brad Zimmer. I'm going to go with Adam Simber. He's got the lanky, tall thing, so kind of like big target but low weight. And I feel like the fact that he can't use his arm conventionally uh, mm-hmm. might make it difficult for him to, you know, work with a lance. You I don't. Know, do that I, you don't want that. Bit. You don't want that. Uh, that submarine lance coming up at you, though. Yeah, <laughs> tough to. I, scout, I don't know. Dude. I feel like it, it's hard to work. I think there's kind of like one or two techniques for lance, and maybe I'm way off on this because I don't know. I don't know. What I'm talking about. Let at us all, know in the chat. Let us know what lance you guys know experts, about lance. Please. For what it's worth, Joe Motiki, sorry, Joe, if that's mispronounced, reading on the fly, not my specialty. He went with Bradley Zimmer, the most likely person not to be able to hit me, uh, which, yeah, absolutely <laughs> fair, fair call. Yeah. This, one is, uh, this one could be a little bit tricky. Uh, I'm looking at the roster right now, and I'm struggling with it. But the, the person to play you in a movie about your life. Boy. Um, well, I guess that's got to be it's got to be Bo Bichette, right? I mean, got, <laughs> we got the looks, you know. We got the all the ladies love us. I can't see any. Uh, basically, the same guy. Boy, yeah, they all they all look and act so much like me. Um, it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of play bald on the Blue Jays right now. It's a young team, yeah. It's a young team. I was, I was like, you have to go to the. You have to go to the bullpen to to get anything. You know, I think John. Like I think John Schneider could do me justice. Mm-hmm. Oh, not bad. Yeah. Not bad. 
Yeah, right. It's it's tough. Like Pete Walker's ball, get that get that going for me. Yeah. Um, well, Ross, I I feel I feel he may. He may you know, it'd, be, it'd be an interpretation on you for sure. Um, lovely. I, think I could give. I think I could put this in Danny Jansen's hands. I think he would learn. He'd learn a way to get it done. I think he seems like a guy that um, would do the research. He'd do the homework. Uh, he wears glasses. Yeah. Yeah, I think he'd he'd get to know me enough that he could he could handle it and uh, and have some standout moments, which is what Jano does. That's fair. Uh, I had a hard time with this. I was a little bit tempted by Jordan Romano initially as sort of the Canadian kid who can maybe understand my experiences a little bit better. <laughs> um, Actually, maybe maybe my answer is George Springer. Now that I think about it, similar age. Uh, he's I, he's got a couple years left before he has to play bald. But uh, yeah, George yeah. Springer is George Springer is bald. He just hasn't shaved his head yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, who am I? I'm saving Springer for a later uh, answer. I'm going to go with David Phelps. I think that he can encapsulate some of the grimness uh, that I can sometimes project. And, you know, he's a man of the world. He's been around. Uh, it leads me to believe that he <laughs> has experiences to draw on as an actor. Sure. Uh, okay, so this is this is an interesting one. I, it, the presumption here is that we can all agree that fracking isn't great as a premise. So... If you disagree with that, maybe you're going to struggle with this question. But who would you want to help you start a fracking lobby? This this is pro fracking lobby. Yeah, you're you're selling your soul and starting a pro fracking lobby. Who do you think is the most? <laughs> and Josh Donaldson's no longer on the team, right? He's no longer a team. <laughs> I think you're more thinking about skills than political inclinations, because that's a dangerous okay. road to walk down. <laughs> yes, I believe it is. Yeah, Teoscar Hernandez, winning friends, influencing people, coming in, shaking hands, having a great time. I mean, you leave the room, everybody has a secret handshake with each other, and everyone's like, God damn, it was fun when Teoscar was here. And then Teoscar's not there, and everything's going worse, and like, what the hell's going on? And then he comes back, and he plays well, and the team suddenly plays well. Like, damn, that Teoscar. I like him. So, Teoscar Hernandez, pretty easy. Uh, that's a great answer. I'll I'll go another way. I'll say Jose Barrios. He's a, he's a man of the Lord. He's uh, a, a, a serious man. He's someone who some people will take seriously, and you know, just uh, uh, you know, has has his convictions. And and if he says that he believes in something, you're going to believe it because that's uh, that's just the kind of dude he is. I like the different paths you guys went here. I'm going to throw you one pretty much right down the middle, and that's George Springer. I think you get a little bit of the Teoscar Hernandez vibe check stuff. But you also get a little bit more age, a little bit more experience. The fact that he is getting a little bit bald, you know, lending him some credibility <laughs> in certain boardrooms. Um, so he's got the, you know, he's got the cheerful energy side, but he maybe has a little bit more gravita than uh, Tay Oscar, who it's hard to see outside of the context of the sunflower seed tossing about. Okay. All right. I, I buy that. I mean, yeah, Springer's a good answer for any of these, really. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. This is the last one. Uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big one to grapple with. <laughs> Which uh, current Toronto Blue Jay would you be most powerful, giving the power of a god? And I don't know. Think I'm thinking like Thor and or Greek gods and stuff. Not necessarily omnipotence, but a lot of uh, you know tossing lightning bolts around, controlling the seas, something of that nature. Oh, Vladdy. He's somebody who's already experienced his entire career with people telling him that he is uh, special and uh, powerful and 
can control the change the fate of this entire franchise and this whole team. He's the whole franchise. Uh, that's been the case with him basically from, from day one, uh, you know, of being anywhere near a baseball field. So, um, a guy who knows how to handle that responsibility and, and handle it with uh, a proper attitude. It's the one who's already been handed the gift of the gods, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I, I like that. Oh, I like the, I like the parts people, uh, uh, uh ending there. Um, I, I am tempted to say Alejandro Kirk because he's, you know, he's, he's a, seems like a shy guy, a bit reserved, probably wouldn't go throwing lightning bolts around willy nilly. But I've, but uh, as I said before, you could answer George Springer to any of these. I think George Springer, uh, Seems like a nice dude. Seems like he's got, uh, you know, you know, likes, you know, likes being a mentor to kids. Like, you know, uh, I, 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 I trust him. I put my trust in George Springer to do the right thing uh, nine times out of ten, knowing absolutely nothing about him and hoping to never know anything about any baseball player because uh, we all remember Josh Donaldson. Yeah, I think when you look up and down this roster, there aren't that many guys that stand out as a no on this. Which I mean, that's probably that's sign. probably their criteria for for drafting guys and signing. That's, them. When they that's talk it. about character, this is what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> would you would you give this person omnipotence? Yeah, yeah. The only person who stands out, and this is not me saying that they're a bad person. I'm a little bit worried about Lourdes Gurriel Jr. He's a very flashy individual. <laughs> And I'm concerned wow. that he might <laughs> use some of his powers for effect in a way that might ultimately have negative consequences. Uh, I, I mean, I Vlad, Vlad does, no, cares not for collateral damage. Ask Hazel. I'm a little concerned about that one. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think Vlad has some yellow flags at least. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Matt Chapman here. And I, I can't say that I know as much about Matt Chapman as I do about some of the other players, but he strikes me as extremely laid back and just kind of a sort of a Dempster sliced bread type of individual. And I just, it's hard for me to envision him having sort of ambition that would like ambition is what leads you down the wrong road when you have too much power. That's what leads you to corruption. And he's kind of this laid back California guy. And it's hard for me to envision him getting corrupted by some want. I feel like he wants to play baseball. He's kind of already got what he wants. Just, uh, like, and it's hard sorry. for me to. Sorry, go ahead. I'm just like, it's de- like Dempster's is just a little spicier than Wonder Bread, I guess. I, I mean, it's the first sliced bread brand that came to mind. I, I, I didn't give it too much thought. Okay, fair enough. I mean, no, no, no disrespect to the fine people at Dempster's. No, I mean, you know, I mean, being compared to Matt Chapman isn't the worst thing for a piece of bread. Oh, breakout! Know? Breakout is coming. That or becoming a Reuben. Those are sort of the two things that you could hope for as a piece of bread. <laughs> Just ascending. <laughs> ascending to the level of Reuben, yeah. Anyway, I think that talking about the aspirations of pieces of bread might be a good place to end this. Um, I really appreciate you guys for coming in and listening to this mixed bag of an episode. Uh, I appreciate Zoobs. It was absolutely a pleasure to have you on. We'd love to have you another time. It's great to be here. Uh, Love the energy, love the insight, and you guys can find this if you're listening to it later. You can find it on all your podcast platforms. We had some issues with that in the last couple of weeks. It seems like everything is solved, but we encourage you to come in live so you can join in the chat, call in, uh, talk about train heists. I know some of you guys probably weren't prepared for that, so you're a little bit shy on that topic, but think about it for a few days and then come back and we can talk about it next episode. Yeah, that's a great idea. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Zoobs. Thank you for having me, fellas. It was a great time. Indeed it was.